Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dax, what's up, dude? What up, man? How are you? I'm good. How you doing? Doing good. Can't complain. It's been a, a fun uh, last week. I don't know. I, I feel like things are going last, really well. Because well, we had, you know, we had a... Uh, we had Dogface, we had Larsa, which was just insane. Uh, the Larsa response, you know, if you haven't, if you're just listening to now, thank you guys for first joining us. Uh, uh, just you listen back to some of our older podcasts. I mean, we've had a lot of good people on the show. We've had, you know, The Situation, we have Kristen Doty, we had Brian Austin Green, but recently we had a podcast with Larsa Pippen that made a lot of news, and it's crazy how much pickup it got. Mm-hmm. I mean, it went everywhere. You know what I, what I was thinking about? that I, I want to push people to go listen to is our Annalyn McCord episode. I am great episode. I am. I have kicked myself for the last, I don't know, nine months or year. However long ago we posted that episode. Well, the double episode, it was so interesting. It was so good. She revealed a lot about just her childhood and the crap she went through and abuse and all this stuff, and I felt like we released it at a time where our podcast was in a really weird place, and we we didn't get to like maximize on it like it should have, and we didn't get we didn't get to push people there like we should have. Um, and I we might it have to re-release me, that. Yeah, and it makes me sad that like people didn't get to hear her being so open and honest. And it's like I really do want to re-release it, but that it feels weird to re re-release something. So like. If you guys have time, go listen to it. It was such a good episode. It might be something we need to consider uh, because it was we, you know, we tried to do these podcasts uh, and make it just do like a one hour type thing, but that went for like two hours. Made it a two episode thing because there was so much from talking about we her life. Stop. We could then stop also talk about Hollywood, and she was just so cool. And I got to know her a little bit, and she's. Uh, I went out to dinner one night with her, and she was just really cool, really chill, really fun, and just like interesting, honest, and. It made you feel, I don't know if I had an impression of her, but I've seen what maybe when we used to cover her a lot in the news that I was like, man, like maybe like I think everyone has her wrong, you know, and I've seen her around people. She's good to people. She's good to fans. She makes people have a good experience with her. She's she's just awesome. I, I You know, I don't get a lot. So that was one episode, though, that like my mom wrote me. She like texted me and she was like, Dax, that was a really good episode. Like. The, the just the the stuff she talked about the the nightmares she lived through my mom wow. was like really impressed with that episode i was like hey <laughs> i got my mom impressed this is awesome <laughs> yeah 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 um uh can we talk about the larsa pippen episode and one person who kind of talked about can we can we get yeah, into this what do you want to say so there was another show that uh is it, there was another show who weekly that made some comments about our thing who weekly you know and they, let, let me preface this by saying I'm actually like a fan of Who Weekly and they have been like the big show in our category. So like for me to see that they like did a and 
a, a topic on our show I was really excited about. I was like, this is awesome. Like, I respect them so much. And then they just shit all over our entire It didn't really shit on it. It was actually, it just shows uh, their range. I thought it was really weird, their comments on it. Because they first started saying, I found this really interesting. And I can use the, you might have the exact quotes. I think they started saying this was interesting. And then they tried to say I was bored. And then it was turned into a nightmare of an interview. The the interview was a nightmare. The hosts were nightmares. She didn't reveal anything. But then they went on for like literally 15 minutes playing all of our clips about the stuff that apparently wasn't interesting to them. And I'm like, then why are you wasting 15 minutes of your time talking about us if it was so horrible for you? Well, it was just hypocritical, and it actually makes me wonder about any of their thoughts now. So you can't say something was so interesting and then just say, oh, it was so horrible and such a nightmare. Uh, And they're the only people that I got fucking feedback from. You know, it was just like, what are you talking about? Like, now I don't respect anything you say because... Now I see that you're just hypocrites. I'm like, do you listen back to your own show? Did you listen to what you said? Because now, as a listener, you can't respect anything they say because you don't. It's not real. It's not. It's, it's just there's just such hypocrites. Uh, I guess they're a little I, bit I, I, nervous. I think there was just for me because I like their show or well, did like. It was just kind of like hurtful. Like, why? Why are you saying? Are you just being mean to be mean because we're in your same category? Like. We don't we don't go out there and just like shit on everyone else's podcast interviews. Like, Dude, why are they doing it? I, Cause why, buddy? Cause we're we're coming up. We're doing well. We're yeah, doing like, well. Like, listen, focus on yourself. I don't get it. You would think like, listen, they do more downloads than us, but you know they've been doing this podcast longer than us. Congratulations. However, we uh we're coming. We're doing well. We're just uh, two guys trying to make it happen. Whatever. Let's let's get to this bodyguard. Listen, I'm, I'm let them talk about, them. about the news. We will continue to make the news. Okay. All right. I like it. All right. All right. So that was good. Uh, so we're gonna get into talking about talking to this celeb bodyguard because he's before we with get into that. Dax, tell me about people. a review. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me get a review. Lauren Sabinski. Uh, she hit me up. She said, "I don't know how to leave comments on uh, the iTunes page. I have an Android, so can I just DM you my comment?" I said, "Absolutely." So here's her comment. She said, "Hollywood Raw is my new favorite podcast. You guys get the best celeb stories and gossip that you can't get anywhere else. They've had some amazing interviews already, and I can't wait to see who they have on next. Thanks for giving me someone." to look forward or something to look forward to every week as I stay home. I'm a stay at home mom during the pandemic. You guys are awesome. So Lauren, thank you. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, Lauren. We appreciate um, you. You, uh, you are the vice president of our fan club. Just like that. That's all you gotta do is leave a review. Uh, thank you for supporting the number one, uh, anti-Nazi celebrity podcast in the I country. I hate when you, you know, say actually, that. It's you, so weird. <laughs> it sounds weird, but you know, if, if you listen to Who Weekly, you're, you're pro-Nazi and we're against Stop it. it. Are not. Stop. Don't say that. Take it back. Take it back. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. It makes no sense. Anyway, Dex, tell us about our guest today. All right. So our guest today has worked on tours with the British Army, which then kind of transitioned him into a bodyguard for celebrities such as Bella Hadid, Rita Ora, Naomi Campbell, and so many more. And if you saw him, you'd probably be like, oh, this dude is Jason Statham's twin, So, uh, which has now led him to having a promising career as an actor, a model, a writer... Simon Newton, welcome to the program. Simon, what's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good, man. You're looking good. Seems like someone's getting swole during this uh, pandemic. Yeah, winter body. 
Yeah, yeah. So you're in Britain right now. Are you? What's the What's the vibe like there? Are you Are you able to work out at home? Are you like working out at a gym? We got to wear a mask, or what's the deal for you? So well, it was a, it was a three month lockdown back in March, and then we had probably uh, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, and half of October. So we had five. We had nearly seven months of gym, and then they've just locked us down again. So we a month. So Same out here, dude. I was like just getting back into the gym. I was all excited, and then they're like, yeah. "Nope!" and they took it right away again. Yeah, I'm back to working working out at home, but it's not too bad. I've got um. I've got a couple of fitness shoots coming up next week, actually. So I've just managed to stay where I am now to be able to do that. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, you know, we're you know we're going to cover a lot in this in this interview. You know, you were you know you you just own a security company. You are a bodyguard, but now you're doubling down into the acting and modeling world. Uh, so it's you know you've had a crazy life. What you started out in the British Army. What made you get into the British Army? Uh, when I was when I was a child, all I wanted to be was a soldier. I mean, it, it, the kids at school, you had. Um, astronauts, fighter pilots, you know, brain surgeons, scientists, and all I ever wanted was to be a soldier. So I, I always thought that surely that's got to be achievable, you know, when I when I when I grow up, and that's all I ever really wanted to do. I don't know why. I, particularly, I, my, my some of my family were in the army. Not all of them. My, my immediate parents weren't anything to do with the military. So I'm not really sure why. But yeah, I just always wanted to do it. How was it? What what was your experience like in the army? Was it everything you kind of imagined, or or what? Um, it's probably it, it's everything I imagined, and probably a little bit better. I I, had a, I mean, I had a great time. I left yeah. the army really because of other stuff I had coming up. So I left because of that. But if it wasn't for that other stuff, which we'll probably get onto shortly, um, I would have stayed in the army. I loved the army. I thought it was brilliant. The other stuff being a bodyguard. So just. just... You know, we could see you over. How tall are you? How much do you weigh? How much can you bench? What you know? How tall are you right now? So I'm five eleven, which is okay. not not massively tall, but I'm not. You know, it's not super short neither. Um, in terms of weight, at the moment I'm ninety five kilos, which is quite small for me. Normally I'm over hundred, but because I'm quite lean at the moment, my body weight's come right down. So I'm around ninety five kilos. With a, I was like, can uh, Adam, can you do that conversion? I did. I'm what just guessing like two forty, two twenty five. That's my guess, but so it's almost—is it almost double or something like that? But um, I have about a thirty-inch waist and a forty-four-inch chest, so I'm quite a funny shape at the moment. Um, and like a hundred-inch biceps. I—I I don't for the people that aren't watching this video on YouTube and they're just listening to it on. His arms are massive. <laughs> He's huge. <laughs> how much do you? How much do you bench? Um, do you know what? I don't actually bench press. I don't bench press. No. That question quite often and i used to years ago but now i don't i don't lift heavy weights really i can get to where i want to be you know sort of like in appearance without going too heavy on the weights. so I, I i never i never really lift i look like someone who does and and quite often i pick up maybe 10 kilo dumbbell man good <laughs> genetics man i uh i wish i had good <laughs> genetics that's great dude so you're in the british army so how did you transition from the british army into being a celebrity bodyguard uh, when I was in when I was in the army, I did the Iraq War in two thousand and three, uh, and private security companies started operating out in Iraq at the time. And a friend of mine was already working for one who previously left the military, um, and he said to me, "You know what? What are you doing out here?" I said, "I'm still in the army." And he said, "Well, why don't you come and work for us?" Uh, the office was back in London in the UK. Uh, why don't you come and work for us in Iraq? Obviously, it's private security. The, the money is a bit better, and the, the conditions and the, you know the stuff you get to do is a bit different. Um, and I thought about it. And at the time, I was quite young, and the money was quite appealing. Um, 
and I I said, yeah, okay, let, let's have a look at it. And I, I called called their office, sent them my CV, uh, and they was happy to offer me a job. But I had to leave the army. I couldn't. I could, obviously couldn't do it while I was still in the army. So I, I left pretty much as soon as I could, which I was kind of lucky. I managed to get out within a few months, really. Um, and then I went straight back out to Iraq as a sort of a private security consultant. So that was my very first step into the, the security world, really, which obviously led on to the celebrity thing probably uh, not that many years later, quite a few a few years later. I did three years in Iraq and then I went to Afghanistan for two years um, with, as a bodyguard for the British government. And around the Afghanistan time is when I uh, come back to the UK on one of my four weeks off and I looked after my first celebrity who you may have heard of. Who is that? Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jackson was your first celebrity that you got to bodyguard for? Yeah, he was my, he was my first one. November 2006, he came across for the World Music Awards. And that's, uh, I was home on leave and I got asked if I would look after someone. They didn't tell me who it was. Um, I, I actually nearly said no to it because I only had four weeks off. I thought, do I want to work two weeks on my four weeks off? And then I thought, well, I'm going to come back to London at some stage to be a bodyguard. So maybe it's a good idea to you know get some contacts and see what it's all about so i said yes to it and it wasn't until i turned up at the airport and was given sort of a briefing pack of what was going on i found out who it was well that, that's insane that's not that's not like just bodyguarding for just a regular celebrity that is pretty much one of the most famous people in the entire world where i've seen videos you know when he used to go out in public and it was just like swarms of people like talk about being thrust into like the craziest situation <laughs> what was it like it was a little bit of a steep learning curve. I mean, to be honest with you, it wasn't much different to the way we used to operate when we worked overseas. It was a lot safer job, but there was a lot more, um, a lot more crowd management, a lot of crowd management with him. Like you said, you know, he'd get swamps all the time. We had about probably eight or nine taxis following us all the time, where fans had hired out for the for the duration that he was there, just so they could jump in it and follow us all the time. And uh, you know, the the, the the accumulations of fans was huge. It was massive everywhere we went to the extent that sometimes we really had to decide if it was worth going somewhere because it wasn't always worth it. Too much hassle. Oh, I just want to know, what was he like in person? Like, what was it like being around Michael when you get into the car and the doors close and the fans are outside? Is he is he just like, oh, thank goodness? Or is he just quiet? I, I just have to know. I'm so fascinated with, with Michael. Yeah, it just depends... I mean, he's not a lot different to anyone else in the fact that it depends what mood he's in. You know, everybody has good days, bad days. Maybe they get in the car excited. Maybe they get in the car upset. Maybe they're just normal. Some days they want to talk. Some days they don't want to talk. Um, very softly spoken guy anyway. Doesn't, didn't engage in loads of conversation. I didn't have, um, I didn't have as much interaction with him as I, I have had with some of my other clients. Um, just because there was always four or five of the security team anyway. Um, you wouldn't be, it's almost impossible to be able to do that job on your own. Um, so, yeah, he, he, was, he was very normal. He was very softly spoken, almost to the extent that you could argue maybe a bit shy, ironically. Mm. You wouldn't think shy getting in front of all those people singing, but, yeah, I'd say a little bit shy. Would he ever, like, when you're in a car with Michael Jackson, does he ever just sing to, like, the radio in the car? <laughs> like, that would be just kind of cool. Like, oh, you know, like, I would just test him and put, like, a little Michael Jackson in the car and see if he sings along, like, Billie Jean or just... In the, yeah, I don't remember having the radio on in the car. <laughs> a lot of the drives we did were very short and sweet, you know, very quick, small moves. So we probably didn't really sort of get too comfortable, if you like. 
Yeah, so what do the fans try to do? You said they try to hide out. What exactly did you see with the fans, especially with someone like Michael Jackson? Because he's like he's like the Pope of celebrities. So what did you see the fans try to do just to get seen, just to touch them and hug them or you know, express their love for them? What would you see them do? The, the hotels, uh, or the, the hotel at the time he was in, I think at one stage in London, a number of hotels wouldn't take him because of his fan base. And it, it wasn't the fact that, they were disrespectful as such, but just the sheer volume of them, you can imagine that, you know, it's like going to a festival with the mess which left behind after. Um, so some hotels didn't, didn't, you know, like to take him because of that. But at, on that particular occasion, we stayed at a hotel called The Hempel. I think it might not be around anymore, but um, we, we had barriers out the front. We had uh, UK police officers there um, 24 hours a day, you know, yellow jackets sort of keeping everybody back. Um, and, and generally, they were pretty good. The crowds were four or five deep, maybe at sort of the later hours at night. But in the daytime, it could be six or seven people deep. Um, and it's only on a normal street. It's not a particularly big street in this hotel. But when we moved him or when we were moving the cars and getting ready to move, so people knew we were coming out, some, you know, pushing, shoving, the barriers would get trodden down. <laughs> the, the police would get knocked over sometimes. You know, it, all got, it all turned into a little bit of a, a controlled mess. I, I find this whole thing so fascinating. I think it's just... The the Michael craze is so wild. Uh, you know, did he did he enjoy talking to his fans? I mean, I feel like he was such a fan pleaser. But like, how do you please ten thousand fans sitting outside of your your hotel? You know, you can't really do too much. I think he would have liked to have done a bit more than what he could have done. Um, he he always didn't really talk too much because you try to keep the guy moving and get him into you know out of the hotel into the car kind of as quick as possible. And although he did do the odd wave. It wasn't particularly safe to have him standing still in one place for too long. But one thing he did do is he used to send someone to try and get maybe four or five gifts. And there's always people with gifts, you know, it sometimes could be hundreds of gifts, but we'd try and choose four or five. Because again, realistically, we can't take them all. You'd need another van full of gifts every time you turn up somewhere. Um, yeah. So four or five and give them to him. And he would look for them. He generally would. He wouldn't just pretend he's taken them when we got to wherever we went. He, he always looked through them and um, maybe recognized the reoccurring fan and, he did take time at looking. I'll give him. I'll give him his credit with that. He did always take time at looking through whatever. He... Where you know, when you become a bodyguard, um, is it hard because you have to, you know, sort. I guess when you're a soldier too, so maybe you have this in your built in your system. But when you become a bodyguard, do you have to risk your life to risk? You know, you'd say I'm willing to risk my life, like the Secret Service. I'm willing to risk my life for someone else's life. I mean, is that ideally what you're paid to do, or is it just kind of make sure they're able to move around, kind of in a in a in the manner they want to be? What what would you say the the job description is really? Um, I mean, ultimately, how sort of dramatic you want to say the job can be will depend on who you're looking after, what the situation is, and where in the world. Obviously, that can change quite a lot, but. I mean, yeah, I mean, without being too heroic about it, I guess the, 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 a bodyguard's job in principle is to um, to protect another person's life, whether that means you're giving your own, ideally not, because if you, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if you're giving your own life, you're now no longer there to be able to protect the person. So it's not really the best idea anyway. Um, it's a bit of a cliche, the films, you see, the, particularly the film, yeah, the bodyguard. Yeah. In front, but you know, never say never. I'm sure there's plenty of guys out there who have dived maybe in between their client and maybe someone who's been wielding a knife and you know, or whatever. I'm sure it has happened. Um, look at Kennedy all those years ago when he was assassinated in the back of the sure. yeah, yeah. So, and those you know, guys you saw on that obviously it's a bit too late on that occasion, but guys were climbing on the back trying to get to him and they would have covered him if they got to him in time, they would have been covered. And ultimately, you could argue they would have been hit. So, 
it could happen, yeah. But I mean, it's not really something that goes through your mind that much as a sort of I'm a bodyguard. One day I'm likely to, you know, die for someone. It's kind of unlikely almost, you could argue. Were you ever covering Michael when his kids were with him? I'm curious how the situation changes when the kids are around. Yeah, we have two. I can't, you know what? I can't remember who they were because at the time, even we didn't see them. They were all covered up. And I'm not so sure on the situation now, but back then we were still in the era of covering up their faces all the time. Um, so we did. We had two, but I really can't remember. Uh, I didn't even see their faces. I, I haven't got a clue who they were, to be honest. Yeah. With uh, you know, it's crazy that with you know Michael Jackson was covering his face and his his kids were covering their face way before it became cool with the pandemic. So he was onto something, you know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that makes no sense. It's so stupid. Uh, that's so stupid. Uh, <laughs> um, I want to know who else have you worked with because obviously Michael is you know the biggest star on the planet at at that point. Who else have you bodyguarded for? Um. So I've done quite a bit with the sort of world's top models, really. Um, Bella Hadid and Kendall Jenner are probably the two uh, ones I'm most for, you know, being around um, a few years ago now. Um, I did quite a long time, all in London, but I did quite a long time with Bella in London, maybe three, four years. How do you, like, how do you, how does that work? How do you get, like, more jobs in that? Like, who's the one who passes your name or your card around to get more body bodyguard work? Uh, it just depends. So sometimes it's done straight from uh, the modeling agency. Maybe ask a guy who's already looking after one of the other girls, and may you know, do you know anyone else? Sometimes it's done like that. Sometimes it may go through a company. There's no, there's no. Um, it doesn't seem to be any one direct route, to be honest. Um, it just depends on how people are booked. You know, you don't have to use a, you don't have to use a private security company, and and, and equally, you don't have to go direct to someone either. It just depends on how people are booked. Yeah. No, it's, it's difficult because people say to me, how do you how do you get those jobs? And to be honest, I, I kind of, I can tell you, but that's how I got them. It doesn't mean to say that you're going to be able to, you know, it always work like that. Guys have, guys have maybe, it's so many different stories of how guys have picked up celebrity clients. Uh, you know, it's just, it's no, there's certainly no like website or someone you can get in touch with to put you on a celebrity bodyguard list. There isn't anything like that, really. A lot of it's reputation, I guess, and if you've done the right people. Once you're in with celebrities, celebrities like, there is a bit of a technique and a knack to looking after celebrities. There are things you have to think about that maybe you don't looking after other people. So once you've got a few on your CV, you are quite appealing to people looking for celebrities because they know you're sort of tried and tested and problems with celebrities because of fan bases and moving them around. If you do get that wrong, it can be a bit embarrassing if you've got packs and everything else out there. So they do kind of like people that are tried and tested, if you like, in the celebrity world. Yeah, I got to imagine if you've got Michael Jackson on your resume, though, everyone's like, okay, he knows what he's doing. So, and did I did I read that uh, you worked for Naomi Campbell as well? Yeah, I did a little bit of, of Naomi, yeah, on and off, yeah, same thing. I mean, obviously a different generation to the, the other girls I just mentioned. Um, but yeah, I did, did a bit of Naomi, all, all the same stuff, all modeling, all modeling stuff. Now, do you feel like she gets a bad rap for her personality? Because everyone always talks about her being super diva-ish and crazy. I'm just curious with someone who worked next to her, if you feel like that's just media portraying her like that or if that's actually who she is. Um, I would say she... No, she's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, I respect that. He, like... I respect that you actually took a second to really think about it. It wasn't like, no, she's great. You're like, you, I respect you. It took you a second to think about it. <laughs> you know what? Because what I think back to is that infamous lawsuit where like her assistant 
sued her for chucking the phone at her face. And I just always wonder, like, what is she like behind closed doors? Like, are these stories real or are these people going after her because she's got a ton of money, you know? Yeah, I mean, the thing with all, anything like that is, for me, I, I don't have to look after anyone. I'm not, I'm not sort of... Um, I don't sign a contract which says I have to be with anyone, you know, and obviously I, I do choose, I, I do say no to people. Um, and, and I do choose, I mean, obviously I don't do it now, but back in the, you know, back then I did choose who I, who I decided to work with. And, and if I chose wrong and maybe a few days in, I thought, oh, do you know what? I can't, you know, this, maybe this isn't for me. I'd just say, sorry, but I, you know, I can't do it. It's for someone else. So I never really encountered anyone giving me problems or, trouble because i just wouldn't if i thought anyone was going to do that you know i wouldn't because they are out there those people are out there. not so much the celebrities but you know you do get people you can look after um with their high net worth or ceos or diplomats politicians whatever you, you can get some difficult people probably for no you know with no reason to be difficult really um so i'd just say no yeah i mean but look Naomi Campbell's smart. She's not going to throw a phone at you, dude, because, like, you know, like, I'm, I'm sure this assistant didn't look too strong. She throws a phone at you. It's like, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, you're nuts. Don't get me uh, celebrities beating their bodyguards up. <laughs> yeah. You don't see that story come out too often. If they did, that's not a good bodyguard. Yeah. Uh, you worked with Bella Hadid. You know, I see her in New York City a lot all the time, and I feel like she's, you know, she seems very cool. Like, she's just fun. She's chill. And I think mostly with her, it's more of an issue with, it's not even an issue, the only thing she really has to worry about, because she walked the streets, no one's there to really, I would say, hurt her, you know, it's more of just kind of controlling the situation, um, but obviously she's a big photo for the paparazzi. How do you deal with the paparazzi, you know, through your, your time over the years? Um, I mean, in London, Bella used to get a lot of paparazzi, because, because she doesn't live here and she's not here that much. You know, when she is here, um, and, and you know, a lot of the, the top top models are the same. When they are, it's appealing to the paps because they get, you know, they get it's work for them. So they are all sure. the time from when the minute they land to when they take off. Um, but when you're working with these people, you do start seeing a pattern forming with the paps. You do start seeing the same faces. You do start understanding maybe which ones are more difficult than others. Um, but in general can be a bit of a nuisance sometimes, depending, you know, when you're moving around, especially for motorbikes and stuff. You know, I often think of the, the safety side of things because we don't want a road traffic accident with Bella in the car, but equally we don't really want to be knocking, driving over a pack either, you know. Works sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so that has to be thought about sometimes because they can be slightly reckless at times if they think they're going to get a picture. But, you know, I never really had any problems with them. I think that the biggest thing is how you handle them. If you come out as a big, rough, tough bodyguard and want to, you know, give it all the attitude, then they're, not, they're probably not going to help. If you if you come out nice and just ask if they'd mind moving back and, you know, so we can get a space to the car without having to sort of anyone getting in the way. Nine times out of ten, they will. And they'll probably get a bit better picture if they do that. Because if they don't, there's a lot of pushing and shoving. And most of them don't get a picture anyway. So it just depends how clever they are, really. No, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, you know, coming from my, as a paparazzi, my experience as a paparazzi doing it, it's like one of those things where you see a lot of the, similar, the same bodyguards a lot of times. And most of them are, you know, I'd say 99.9% .9 of them are good guys. Like, they're doing their job, you're doing your job. And I, I've always just like, I, I'd rather even just tell us what the deal is so it acts, you know, things will be a lot more calmer rather when they try to play the games and people are going to be on their toes a little bit. So it's like, 
you know, I always say sometimes with, from my experience, it's like, you know why I'm here. I'm not there, you know, as a paparazzi. I, I can't get too close because if you're too close, you can't really get a good shot. But the more, you know, the more distance you get, you're able to get a better shot. And I always say, like, you know why I'm here. You might not know why someone else is there. Maybe be more careful of them than us, you know. And the more transparent the bodyguard is to the paparazzi, the more calmer and easier situation is. Like, I've had experiences with paparazzi, uh, uh, with bodyguards where they're like, listen, we're coming out at 445. We're going to this place at 630. You know, we're going to this place. So it doesn't get into a car chase because I've seen the car chases a lot, you know, and that happens. But I think, like you said, the more kind of you treat people just for respect, just like in anything you would do, the more kind of they're going to be cool to you and help you out with your job. And it's like, hey, it's 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 it works both ways. You know, we're not trying to work against each other, trying to work for each other. However, you do have a job, you know, and sometimes you're, I guess your client could say, I don't want to be photographed today. I'm not into it. And I guess maybe you could relay that message to the person. Say, listen, the paparazzi and say, hey, listen, guys, she does, he or she doesn't want to be shot this morning. But if you come back at tonight, they're totally down to, you know, they'll be more ready. And I think when you have that kind of a conversation, it's just kind of working to get together because if the celebrity doesn't look good, that photograph or video is not going to sell. So everyone wants it to do well. No one wants to be, no, everyone wants to sell a product and the people want to look good and be shown in a good light. So I think you have a, the right mentality of doing your job. What was the craziest thing you've seen paparazzi do over your years? Um, do you know what? N- n- nothing particularly, nothing particularly bad. I mean, that's the other thing, like you said, you know, Quite often, what I used to do is I used to ask, say, let's take Bella for example, because she was papped pretty much all the time. I'd say, so are you happy to be papped this morning? And if she said yes, sometimes I'd come out and say, right, we are coming out because you, you know we're coming out anyway. Sure. You know, you, even if we don't tell you where we're going, you're going to follow us. I can't stop six or eight motorbikes following us. So you're not achieve. It's not a secret. You're not achieving anything by not you know not letting people know certain things to try and keep it safer. So if she's happy to be papped. I would just come out and say, right, we're, she's happy to be packed today, guys. If you can stand back a bit. We're also, we're at the bottom of the steps, so I'm going to hold her there for two or three seconds so you can get a nice shot, and then we're going to get in the cut. And then you all get a nice, clean picture. Sometimes it's not, they don't like it, but all the time because if there's 12 paps there that means they've all kind of got the same clean shot and it's the first to submit it in to get to get it get it in enough online but they get a nice shot but if you do that and then another day i come out and say we don't want to be papped today please can you not just pap us please can you leave us alone and maybe come back this evening or whatever nine times out of ten because you're working with them they go okay that's fine we'll, we'll leave it this morning so uh, because i had that relationship with not all of them you always get that one who still wants to sure. doesn't care today, but um I, we never really got in any sort of you know they didn't do anything silly really sometimes they keep a bit overzealous on their motorbikes maybe zipping in and out between the cars and stuff but really it was it was fine it was fine in fact some of them used to protect her a little bit if people were barging and pushing they they used to get upset because they used to like her she used to you know give them good pictures and they were quite respectful and sometimes perhaps would even be moving people out of the way because they were sort of doing going over the top so it's it swings around about them, but yeah, I never really had any problems with them in London. Really, none, none of them were that mad, if you like. Did you ever have a moment that you were concerned for your own safety? Like, you got into a really big crowd, or you were trying to protect someone. You're like, I don't feel safe now. We need to get out of here. Um, yeah, a couple of times. Not not so much for my safety, but I was more worried about me being able to look after the person properly that I had with me. Um, and obviously, it is it is me and one other. So if I if I can't look after myself i certainly can't look after myself and someone else so so what was that moment when you uh, think back 
something with it's all over Google actually, but I did something with Bella and I can't remember. I can't remember the it was some sort of rally to do with um, a country. I can't remember the country, so I don't want to say it and get it wrong. But um, a country that she had some interest in at the time, and she wanted to jump out the car and kind of be involved in this protest, if you like. Oh. <laughs> Which I could understand why she wanted to do it. Um, and it, in a way, it was a good opportunity for her, but we were just leaving an event um, in a ball gown and a Rolls Royce. It wasn't really the time to be doing that. Um, a conversation went back and forth between me and her for a little bit. Um, and then in the end, I just said, come on then, because that, that was the way it was going. Let's just do it. But I gave her, like, I think it's two minutes of being in that crowd and we was coming out. Um, turned out it was it was okay, but it was very controlled. I didn't let go of her the whole time um, when, when we did it. It was police officers there, but obviously we, we turned up unannounced. Even the police didn't know. It all happened so quick, and that was kind of my aim. Let's do it quick and leave. And it, it did work out, but given the choice, would I have done that? No, and you know. But sometimes you don't always um, you don't always get to do what you want to do, and you just have to go with things. That's unfortunately that's the way it is. Yeah. You, you mentioned before, like, is that a, when you start the day with a, with a celebrity as a client, do you say to them like, hey, listen, there's paparazzi outside because you're sort of like, you know, it's not really it's like there's like unwritten rules as being a bodyguard. Do I say to them, do you want to be photographed today? Do you not? Do, you know, what's what are what do you want me to say? You know, you're sort of like the middle person between people like that. Not really the fans as much, but like because they're actually kind of doing a job. But. You know, is, do you have, is there any like unwritten rules as being a bodyguard or like, do you have to have that conversation with them before you start the day? Like how they're feeling, what you want to do? No, there's not really. And that's why when you, once you look, start looking after celebrities, if you do it, if you do it right, that's why others always want you because there isn't any rule book as such. So you're kind of expected to use, use your own brain and work out what people might like, what's safe, what people don't like, what's a good idea, what's a bad idea. And when you look after one celebrity, in terms of um, a bodyguard's job, it is, they're all, I don't want to say they're all the same, but they're, they're close to, it's all the same sort of problems you face. So, um, but you do have to try, sometimes you're lucky, you might get put on a job with another guy who's been there for 10 years already and you learn a bit off him, but normally a lot of it's common sense, to be honest. The biggest thing sure. is not go over the top, I find. If you go over the top, it can create problems. And I think certainly some guys, you know, twice as wide as me and twice as tall and sometimes it, it can just get a bit bit too and i'm not that big a guy really i, I look at it at the moment i'm quite lean but i'm really not that big a guy i've never had to hit anyone in 17 years of being a bodyguard you know i've never got in a fight I, i've I'm working away i carried firearms that's a different story but it's certainly in the uk i've never had to i've done everything by maybe a little bit of pushing and shoving maybe identifying that something's going wrong quick so i've managed to move us away before it's got to us or talking you know, talking and just asking and saying, maybe on a odd occasion, a little bit of shouting. But yeah, I never needed physical. If you could work with any celeb on the planet, who would be your like ideal celeb? Or I, I guess you're over there, any royal family member that you would love to work with? I'm just. Um, do you know what? I, I, I haven't got one. And I'll tell you for why is because whoever I look after, it's all the same to me now. It's a day's work. And yeah. You know, I'm really not. I'm really not bothered. <laughs> but there's got to be someone out there. Like you're like hanging with Prince William, and you're like, this is kind of cool. Out for a drink with, or going going to a party with, or something. Then yeah, it's probably I could list a few. But so going to a day's work with. <laughs> <laughs> 
because when you're working, you can't, you know, I'm just sure there's a number of actors I'd like to be around these days and talk to them and find out what's going on. And, you know, we're now they've got in loads of different questions. But when you, but you can't do all that anyway when you're bodyguard. You just, you keep your mouth shut and get on with your job, you know. So to be honest with you, yeah, there isn't really anyone. Not really. I'm, I'm done. Have you worked for, in the past, have you worked for any of the, you know, you said, have you worked for any, like, because, and I only ask this because I know New York, I know a lot of the drivers. And they're like, yeah, the celebrities are good, but it's a lot of work. You know, obviously the safety precaution because you have to deal with the paparazzi, a lot of times chasing them. You don't know, you know, sometimes the people could be needy, but they say one of the best gigs is actually working for like the Saudis. They're like, that Saudi money is insane. Have you had any like the princes or Saudi type people over the years? In the, in London, there's a lot of that actually. I, I haven't done, I haven't done a little bit. My biggest one was the Dubai, Dubai Royal Family I did for two years when I first come back to London to work as a bodyguard. Um, and I worked, I worked for that family for two years. Um, and obviously, it's a lot different to uh, celebrity protection because most of them aren't known. But the, the the way you handle them can be slightly tougher sometimes. But it's it's a good, solid bodyguard job. Any sort of um, Middle Eastern royal family, the money is normally quite good. Not always, but normally quite good. Um, and it's just a good, clean job but normally comes around every year as well so you know you're always going to get it and, and tell me more like because you you have a, a company Ascari secure is that am i correct saying it right so how many people do you have working for you right now how many guards um, do you have down slightly because of what's going on in the world some about half the company is split between bodyguards and um, residential sort of private residence security so that stuff wasn't too bad but we also do events which is obviously totally out the window at the moment um Hotels, five-star hotels in, in London's Mayfair and Park Lane, which again are closed at the moment. Um, so we've lost. We'll get it back, but we've, for now we've kind of closed half of the company, if you like, until things get better next year. Um, so we did a lot. We do a lot with a big company in the film industry as well. Um, again, and they've they've gone quiet at the moment. But I would say at the moment we've got around sixty. Wow, it's a pretty big company you got going over there. Yeah. It does go up, but it does go over 100. It'll go over, back to over 100 again next So we had uh, Steve Sanilis, who was, uh, he did some bodyguard work for a bunch of celebrities, Leo DiCaprio, one of them being, one of, that actually made some of his stories was Kim Kardashian, Kanye West. We do a little bit of a thing called a speed round, where we kind of ask you some random fastball questions and you need to answer. Uh, you ready for this, brother? Let's go. So the first one, who was the nicest celebrity you worked with? Bella. All right. Who was the the moodiest celebrity you've ever worked with? Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> Who was up the latest hours? Oh, uh, one I haven't mentioned. I used to look after was Rita Ora. She used to like a party sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who uh, who is the hardest worker? Bella. Okay. Who is the neediest celebrity? Naomi. <laughs> All right, who is who is the the greatest person? Genuine, just nice. It's what celebrity or just still celebrity? Yeah. Uh just just all around nice, probably better. Who was the the biggest tipper? Oh, Dubai Royal Family. What kind of tip would they leave on a, a meal? Um I don't really know about meal, but we used to get tips sometimes. But do you know what? It really depended on who what what because the family is huge so it depended on what part of the family you got what you did for the tip what you did for that family for for that period of time 
I mean, you, you can get anything from £50. I've heard stories of guys getting up to £10,000. You know, it just it just depends on what who it is and your relationship, I guess, with the person you're looking after. Who is the worst tipper? Um, well, celebrities don't tip at all, but then celebrities don't always earn as much money as what people think, so I, I kind of don't expect them to, to tip. To What about when they're out to dinner and you see you kind of looking over? Uh, well, when you you get if you if you go out for dinner, if, if you can, uh, quite often dinner's paid for and stuff. You get to eat anything, you know. You get looked after. Um, so I mean, I've looked after a number of high net worth people, um, which can't really mention because we still take my company still takes, takes care of them now. But I always look after. I always make sure the guys have got money for dinner. Always got money for lunch. Um, you know, you get a Christmas present at Christmas time. You always get looked after. They're always very. Uh, they like to make sure that. You know, if it's raining, they won't make you stand outside in the rain. They'll make sure you've got something. They're all, they're always very accommodating sort of thing. What's your most memorable story about Naomi Campbell? Most memorable? Oh, uh, I, I remember most of them, actually. <laughs> um, What's the one that sticks out in your brain? Uh, uh, we, went to, we went to a concert in Hyde Park in London, um, I just remember it being hectic because it was all a bit last minute. Um, and it's just, uh, when we was in there, it wasn't really anyone's fault, but because of the amount of people in Hyde Park, when we was exiting, we had a we had our car inside. We, we drove straight in, and that's just fine. But on the way back out, because there was like 2,000 people leaving the same place, they put a no vehicle move ban on for like an hour or two hours. And they didn't tell us. So when we was ready to come out, sort of beat the rush, they said, you can't go anywhere for two hours. So that was caused a bit of, caused me a bit of a problem. So we ended up um, walking out with everyone else and, and uh, ended up jumping a fence to get out. So that I always remember that. It wasn't really anyone's fault other than the fact they should have told us what the what the score was with it. But yeah. And Naomi actually climbed the fence and jumped yeah, over. Yeah. You have to like carry yeah. her over. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that. <laughs> My last question for this speed round is. Who went out of the way the most to make you feel like home? Like you're part of the team, that you're part of like the family? Um, probably Bella, I should think. She's fitting quite well with, with, with her and her lot there. Yeah. Awesome. I think he, Bella seems like she must be just a really cool person based on your experience with her. She was just, um, she was just genuine. She was just nice. You know, you couldn't really... I mean, she wasn't that. Old. Did you get to know Gigi at all? Uh, yeah, I did. I did. A, I did a few. I did a few trips with Gigi. Um, nothing. Nothing like I did with with Bella. But yeah, I did. I did meet Gigi a few times. It's crazy that they've gotten to a level where they need security. I mean, it's good for you, but it's just like, it's insane. But it's there's such a you know a valuable photo for paparazzi. And and not necessarily there's there's usually very few times where it gets out of line because they're so professional about it and they're so good about it. They don't play games. They don't hide. They let them get their shots. So it's like it's an easy win for them. But it's just crazy they got to that point. Um, but oh, you got hey, some. Hold on. I got I got one more question that I just thought of. And the only reason I'm thinking about this is because with the election here in America. Um, there were a lot of rumors that uh, Donald Trump had a decoy for his wife out wandering around they thought that melania there was like a, a stand-in basically for melania 
have you ever worked with a celeb that had a decoy so that like the decoy goes out one way and then you guys go out the other way? No, I mean, the, the, the most we ever do with that is if we ever want to leave somewhere um, and we don't want people to know we're leaving, particularly perhaps if we're out fun, sometimes we're, we're sending the car off um, and just say, you know, maybe we're not going out now. It's, that's it. Job's finished. See you later, guys. And then we we'll shoot out of the back in the taxi or jump in an Uber or something and go there. So we've talk, kind of used the car as a decoy. <laughs> In terms of a body double turning up, no. <laughs> Dude, I fell for that trick so many times. You have no idea. I, <laughs> so, dude, but now you're doing some really cool things. Obviously, you, you transition your career. You're now working on the other side. You're, you know, you're an actor. You're, you're writing stuff. You're modeling. How did that transition happen? You were just in a Guy Ritchie film. Uh, how did that come about? Um, I've been doing film work since 2010. I, I did a film called The Green Zone, which is a Matt Damon and Paul Greengrass film. We filmed it out in Morocco, and at the time I was working still as a bodyguard in London, and I signed up with an agency, um, which was, it, it did a lot of military guys, sort of military film work and stuff, and uh, they, they just called me and said, you know, do you want to work on a film on Monday? And I, I thought, well, I, I, the job I was on at the time actually finished on the Monday, so I thought, what is it? They said, well, you fly out to Morocco, and it's six to eight weeks uh, playing a US special forces soldier and I thought well I can that's, that sounds good I can do that so I swapped my last day on this job with someone else and I flew out there and I did it was nearly eight weeks in the end I did out there and I just I had a good time you know it, it was it was kind of like it was in Iraq without anything flying back at you it, it, it was it was good fun I enjoyed it and I just thought actually I did enjoy it I thought I could do more of this I think um when I come back from that, I kind of started to pursue it a little bit, not massively because of time, but I did start to pursue it a bit. And I picked up since then between 2010 and now, I guess I did Sherlock Holmes as well, which was the guy which he won the second one. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done quite a lot for UK TV, BBC, ITV, Sky, um, different, just different bits. But I get typecast a lot, um, you know, soldier, gangster, prison inmate, prison officer, policeman. So I normally get the same sort of stuff, but, I don't mind that. I, I'm all right. At, you know, I'm okay at doing that. So I, I was doing that for a while. Then um, I decided I wanted to sort of do the whole acting thing properly. Um, and I was actually uh, offered a part in a film this year out in LA, uh, which was, I think it was Lawrence Fishburne was the lead actor in that. And I was offered quite a good, I was offered two parts. One was slightly stronger than the other, and but, but they were both very good parts. And I thought... You know, I really want to go and go and do this. This is a good chance for me to get on. But then COVID obviously um, stopped that, so it was cancelled. Uh, it, it, are they not even going to film it at this point, or yeah, it will get done? What they've done at the moment, I think, I think they're actually filming something else because of as uh, a US visa problem for us, so we can't even come over at the moment anyway. So they're filming something where the the other thing was is one of the other places for filming in that film was China as well. So obviously, yeah, it's probably a place that we still can't go in a minute. But they started filming something which purely in the States so they can contain it in that area due to COVID. But we will be looking at it next year. But why we've done that, I've just been at Pyramid Studios for the last month doing an acting diploma just to sort of get more experience in stuff to be able to give myself a better chance to get bigger and bigger bit stuff, you know, bits and pieces next year. And you did, you've done body double work too, right? You did, you were yeah. Dave Bautista's body double, yeah. is that correct? Dave Bautista in, in the movie Final Score, yeah, Piers Brosnan, yeah, I did that. It's filmed in, in a place called West Ham in uh, in London, sort of uh, East London. Did you and enjoy I, that? Was that fun being a body double? 
that that was actually probably the the final straw that made me really realise that I wanted to be an actor because you get treated exactly the same. You get everything's the same. I got everything Dave did. I got Dave's trailer. I got Dave's costume. I got Dave's makeup lady. I, you know, I had Dave's runner. I had Dave's everything. Teams That's great. That. You know what I mean? So I thought I could. This is good. This is where if you're going to do film work, this is where you need to be. That's so cool. What was what was Dave like? I didn't meet him because I I, I only ever went when he wasn't there because that's why I was there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be so curious to meet my body double. I'd be like, where is this guy? I got to meet this guy. He's my body double. I'd, you know, and he's past, you know, I'd be so curious. But you'd be a twelve-year-old boy. Don't like, don't lie. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'd be so shitty, dude. Dax, can you imagine? Like, I want to see my body double, and it's literally just a twelve-year-old boy or just like a nine-year-old girl. Like, wait, what? Like, this is you're saying I have the same body as a nine-year-old girl? It's terrible. And he's using the back of his head. <laughs> yeah it's true but it's like you got a good look you're like a mix of you know obviously like jason statham meets like um uh, uh what's his name the singer robbie uh the, robbie, what's the big one we've been wanting on the robbie podcast williams? robbie williams i feel like you got a little robbie williams in you right Sorry? i feel you're like a good looking robbie williams oh yeah if it's a good looking one i'm all right with it yeah yeah you're good looking <laughs> Rob- <laughs> yeah you're like a good looking I'm not gonna say you're a shitty rock. I'm not getting my ass kicked, dude. I'm not. I'm not Naomi Campbell here, buddy. I uh, yeah, but you got a good look going on. So you know, obviously the pandemic has hit a lot of actors. What are you kind of doing with it? Like, how is it affecting your industry and your work as far as you know, not just the security, but also more actually the acting and modeling and also the writing world. Yeah, so I've taken the time. Um, I, wrote, I wrote a TV show this year. Actually, it was, it's like a kind of a, a reality bodyguard TV show, um, which has been pushed around at the moment and it's like it's a bit difficult at the moment because of obviously what we're, the whole world's experiencing but hopefully next year we can do something more of that but I've, I've tried um using the time this year like so i've just done this acting diploma i've got two fit i do i've done a, a number of uh, men's fitness magazines sort of um and i've got two shoots coming up uh, soon for a bit more fitness content so we've pushed the pr stuff this year done a few few different podcasts and we, we've done quite well in it i think because actually lockdowns kind of helped that in 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 some respect that people have been reading a bit more and listening a bit more to stuff so we've really pushed the pr and um kind of i've just tried getting the tools ready to be able to do something great next year basically get the content and get you know get get some stuff ready to be and a lot of contacts i made a lot of contacts with film directors this year and casting agents um which i've got a couple of meetings in january as well i've, I've, I've just done a show reel which will go out um in about five or six just before christmas to sort of show that um you know my acting ability if you like to directors and, and, and casting uh, directors so hopefully with all the content that i've created this year and i've built up my profile slightly bigger this year and the acting diploma and all the new uh, images will be coming out from the fitness side hopefully next year um we'll start pitching it around january february probably so hopefully next year should be a good year that's cool brother man well i wish you the best of luck you're a good guy thank you for uh for making us understand a little bit more of the bodyguard bodyguard world, you know, I we love we always talk to celebrities, but it's also cool to people to talk to people that are around them that you know, and it's, it's a different, it's a great you got a, some great experiences from it, and uh, it's an interesting story. I'm excited to see uh, what's next for you, brother. Yeah, I've, I'm 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 quietly confident that next year should be good. But as soon as the world sorts itself out a little bit more, hopefully in the new year, then uh, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of good irons in the fire next year, and they're all quite exciting, all good to all good to watch as well. So if, for our listeners that can't see you and they want to go see you, what is your Instagram handle? 
so you can find me at simon.newton so it's quite it's quite simple it's just my name with a dot in the middle simon.newton and you'll you'll see me on there and you can pretty much you'll be able to follow me um anything i've mentioned i might be doing it should all come up on there so you can see roughly if i if i uh, make it or i don't make it <laughs> that's I awesome like brother well dude simon keep up the awesome work hopefully uh you know hopefully we'll be seeing you soon and try to get some bodyguard uh work out in new york so you can help me out with some tips all right buddy it's, <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> no worries thanks for thanks for asking us on dude i wish i had an accent <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is so <laughs> his audio came in before his video and I was like, we got fucking Russell Brand on this thing? Like, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Like, he's, he's a very, obviously, he's a good looking dude. I could I could admit he's a good looking guy. And it's like, if you're a celebrity dating another celebrity, like, wow, my bodyguard's better looking than the guy I'm dating. Like, that, <laughs> there's a lot of potential with him being, you know, rep- working with you that you could possibly fall from. Like, a Rita Ora. It's like, Rita Ora, based on the guys you dated, he'd be a good catch for you. Oh, that's so funny. You could tell, um, you know, I love I love when we talk to bodyguards. It's so fun just to hear yeah. the kind of inside world. And I think he was really smart about it because, you know, he's still doing it. He's still in the game. So he was yeah. very calculated with the way he would answer stuff. I got I got the impression that there are some really good Naomi Campbell stories under under there. Sure. But he wasn't dishing on them. No, listen, I get it. I get it. And you, she's one of those people that you don't want to f- kind of mess with because she'll just kind of come back at you with a phone uh you know like it doesn't just end there like it just kind of gets gross and gross yeah um but listen i've met a lot of these bodyguards i've worked with them a lot and he's got the right mentality of it it's like the more cooler you are to just people the cooler they're going to be with you like we're, tra- we're all trying to work obviously he needs to do what's best for his client or what his client wants it's not for him and it doesn't he doesn't have an ego and a lot of times when you deal with some of these bigger people especially with publicists and bodyguards Sometimes there could be ego involved. Luckily for Simon, there's no ego. So he's just a good dude, just you know, doing his job. And you know, the the more transparent you are with the paparazzi, at least, or even the fans, the more calmer everyone will be. Because no one's gonna be all nervous and kind of run around frantic. It's just more of a relaxed situation um, because they know what they're getting. You know, if you said, "Hey, I'm, we're gonna come in at 4:45," rather than play the games with the, them. People are going to be on edge. It's going to things make things a lot crazier. Um, people can kind of back up. Every it will work out better for everyone. And again, he's not trying to be the bad guy. He's just trying to go home at the end of the day and just trying to make it easy for everyone. But most importantly, the person who's paying his salary, which is the client. So I also feel though when we talk to people like this, I feel so lazy. Like he's like, oh, I'm running a company with a hundred bodyguards, and I'm an actor, and I'm doing all these other things. I'm like. How, how do you have the time to do all of this? I, I barely have time to brush my teeth in the morning, and I'm like, "Ooh, got that done." I woke up at 10 a.m. How do you think <laughs> I feel, buddy? I'm like, "What do you?" I woke up at 10 because I had to for this. So uh, if it wasn't for this, I'd kind of keep going. But uh, so thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe. We got a lot of good guests coming up. Really cool things coming for 2021. Thank you to the Herd Ad team. They're they're awesome. Uh, uh, Pat, thank you, brother. Uh, uh, listen to some other podcasts. You can find me at, at Adam Glynn, G-L-Y-N. You can find Dax Holt at D-A-X-H-O-L-T. Follow the podcast on Hollywood Raw Pod on IG. We're on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. We're on it all. And we'll see you guys later. A Huda Media Production.